there and welcome to the latest edition of the Jersnet Weekly Podcast, the independent Rangers podcast, which is brought to you by Fans for Fans and where the content is absolutely free. Uh, it is episode 223 uh, of the, the Jersnet Podcast. I'm your host tonight. Uh, I'm Colin Armstrong. As I say to you every week, guys, uh, it's not just the pod that we have here uh, at Jersnet. So if you get yourself onto the website, you'll find the forums, there's articles there. Uh, there's a history archive, obviously Frankie's got his social media, all that kind of stuff, so get yourself on there. We also ask you to promote the pod, you know, put the word out there for us, you know, on social media, tell your mates, all that kind of stuff, uh, and subscribe to the YouTube channel as well, uh, if you can. Before I, sp- I speak to my guests, bring my guests in, I have to mention our partners at Forest Precision Engineering. Uh, they're a subcontract, Glasgow-based engineering company. They've been a big commercial supporter of Rangers Football Club for many years. Uh, we're delighted that they're back in the pod. Uh, you can find more details about them at www.forestprecisioninc.com. Uh, you can also visit the Forest Precision Executive Lounge. That's in the main stand. Uh, it's a stunning new hospitality area within the main stand. Uh, for information on how to book this, uh, get yourself onto the website, uh, the Rangers website, or email hospitality at rangers.co.uk. Uh, right, uh, and bef- actually, before I bring my guests in, I, I should give a big shout out to Malky Thompson. Uh, and the women's team today uh, beating Hibs 2-0 in uh, Sky Sports Cup final. So we sort of 20 minutes, half hour of it. Uh, saw the second goal. Really good. Uh, decent support there for, for the girls as well. Uh, Lizzie Armit got the first goal, which was a peach. Uh, it, was a, it was a cracker. Maybe something Ryan Kent can learn from. Just saying, you know, having a crack from goal outside the box, it's not it's not that bad an idea, Ryan. Uh, and Kirsty Howard got, you know, she sealed the win with about 10 minutes to go. I'll be mentioning to Catherine Hill, the captain, she's obviously been in the show. So a great day for, for the ladies' team. Uh, congratulations. I hope you're all uh, involved in much debauchery and celebrations as we speak. Right, so uh, bringing in my guests, uh, Stuart Weir and uh, Dougie Kinnear. Uh, Stuart, how are you? You got your I'm camera doing- working? I've got everything working now. We're up to speed. Um, I'm just lamenting the fact that every time you get some new upload or update on any kind of system, it basically knocks everything else that you've managed to get into your comfort zone. Uh, You know, it's like breaking in a new pair of shoes every time you go to do something. So anyway, we got there eventually. Wasn't easy. Wasn't easy. And and, and, and like the game, myself and Brian had to listen uh, to your <laughs> exasperated uh, attempts to, yeah, uh, you know, as I say, as I said to you at the time, the very essence of a middle-aged man grappling with technology. Yeah, the only thing I didn't do was take a hammer to everything, <laughs> and and then I realised that would just be churlish and foolish, given the fact I've got a podcast to do. So thanks, yeah. for, thanks for bearing with me, and I do apologise for the expletives that you'd never heard before. <laughs> I know, I've heard them all before, sure, don't worry, don't <laughs> worry. Uh, and and obviously, Dougie's here as well, how are you, Dougie? You obviously, okay. you, had no, you had no technology issues, you came on clean as, clean as a whistle. Clean as a whistle, but never heard those words in my life before. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm not buying that for a minute, Dougie, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, no, but I'm all good, I've been off, off work for a week, so I've got that dreaded uh, Sunday feeling right now, I'll come back to work tomorrow. That's shite, isn't it? It's pretty grim. I hear that. I mean, I, I mean, I've, I've got a break coming up. Obviously, at Christmas got two weeks coming off at Christmas, and I'm already dreading that Monday feeling when I go back. You know, what I mean, it's almost like that's the worst thing about going off is coming back and having a mountain emails and all that stuff. But hey ho, I'll I'll enjoy my break, and that's the main thing. Uh, right, guys. So I think you know we'll, we'll look at yesterday's game against Leverkusen. That's the sort of obvious talking point. 
the AGM happened through the week. Have a wee look at that. And obviously the return to Rangers next Thursday against Hibs at Ibrox. Uh, Michael Beale's first game in charge. So a few things to get through. So we'll get right into yesterday, uh, Stuart, that, you know, Michael Beale's first game, obviously not his first competitive game, uh, friendly against Bayer Leverkusen. I found it quite interesting that their away support was bigger than what Levy normally bring to Ibrox, but that's that's another issue altogether. Uh, you know, a, a, a decent result, you know, 3 nothing. I know it's only a friendly and, I, I, you know, I'd argue that Leverkusen are probably a wee bit behind us in terms of preparations and fitness and all that kind of thing. Uh, you know, it, it, you, you can't take too much out of these things in, in terms of when you win and get, and get too downbeat if you lose these things. But, you know, decent performance, good result and little signs that that, that cloud that seems to have been hanging over the players of, of late has lifted a wee bit. Yeah, there must have been a certain level of irony uh, in the Leverkusen fans that arrived in Glasgow to find out one of the attractions is the German market. Um, <laughs> that was, you know, that was uh, that was the, maybe on the tourist brochure. Listen, it was a, it was a good a good first half performance. I think I think once you start making changes and substantial changes to um, the lineup. I think, what was it, 21 players? Get, 21 years, yeah, 21 yeah, 20 years. players. You, you, you start to lose a bit of a sort of continuity. They started well. Um, I, I thought, you know, I did wonder whether Tillman was trying to prove a point that he was a guy who had previously been with Bayern Munich or was still with Bayern Munich and was trying to make a point mm. that, you know, he could really cut it against the big boys from the Bundesliga. Um, he seemed almost inspired by by that. So the first 20 minutes, half an hour, I thought Rangers played pretty well. After that, the kind of performance levels tailed off a wee bit. Um, I, I think Michael Beale, he, he wouldn't really have needed to say or do very much to pick up almost like where he left off a year ago um, in a coaching capacity because it was much the same bodies as he left back then that were on, on duty, although he did single out, you know, Tillman's arrival and see how grateful Rangers should be for having him. But um, I'd imagine there may have been a bit of heart and mouth time for him. You know, you're playing a game a week before you start back on league duty when all, all matches and all points are important. The last thing you want on a, a you know, an especially cold Saturday afternoon playing a friendly there's any kind of knocks or bumps or scratches in the light. So to get people through that game, give them a you know a workout in their legs before you start the, the league campaign again. It was a worthwhile exercise. A few people through the turnstiles as well. But uh, but all in all, I think it's it's nothing more than a, a kind of paid for or paid training. Uh, Exhibition exercise, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that's what these things always kind of are, and it's about minutes and legs and stuff like that. Uh, Dougie, but you know, having said that, there, there, there was definite signs that you know things are going to be a little bit different. I think under Michael Beale, I, I felt the tempo was higher, how players were getting used, there was you know, there was slight differences there, and and just a feeling that you know, I, I think we spoke a lot in the program prior to Gio going. Uh, I think I think it was a, a a big sort of shouter of this that you know the players didn't look like they were enjoying going to their work. You know it, it didn't look like a happy camp. Again, only a friendly. We kind of get too excited and all the rest of it. 
but definite signs that it looked like a happier group. As I said, the tempo looked a bit better. Some of the moves I thought were, were pretty decent. Uh, and just, just wee signs that maybe the players are, are, are buying into this ethos that, that Neil's going to try and instill. Yeah, I, I, I was fairly disappointed when um, to see Gio leaving the way that he did. Very sad um, after the memories that he gave us. Um, but I think all the sound bites since he left from the players have been really interesting. Um, I think Stephen Davis gave a, a, an interview where he spoke about you know, we keep we keep hearing about this this brand of football that we want to play, and it's not the identity that we associate ourselves with. And I think that's that's been um, pretty consistent from everyone doing the interview. But interestingly, Stephen Davis made a point in one of his interviews around match preparation. Everyone feels like they know what they're getting to do, their roles. They know what their roles are. Um, it's clear what their instructions are. There's then been sound bites about fitness and the intensity and the training, and I think that all looked like it came together yesterday. Bill spoke about you know, the game against Leverkusen being a distraction for him because he wanted all focus to be on that first game against Hibs. But at the same time, I think, like he said himself, it's good to get the first game out of the way, to get back inside Ibrox, to, to applaud the fans and just relax a little bit because this is a big moment for him in his career. So I think, I think although the game for him might um, might have been a, a, an unnecessary distraction as such. I think he'll benefit from the fact that he's he's got that first game out of the way. And I think the way that we finished before the World Cup break, I think some of these players needed to get back on the pitch and prove to themselves that they're good players. Because Beal, all the sound bites from Beal is, this is a damn good group of players. You know, the majority of this team won 55. Whilst he was there with Gerrard, they, they got to a Europa League final. They didn't just get poor overnight. Um, so I think it was a good reminder um, getting out there yesterday back at Ibrooks that they are a good team. And when you see that the way they played, um, I think you're right. I think they've, they've certainly bought into what Beal's trying to do. And I think everything that you've said around the tempo being higher, the intensity was there. Um, but I, I, motivation and morale is a huge thing. I think it looks like there's a few players that potentially had chucked it under Gio and Michael Beale said that he wanted to look at some some boys in the eye that he that he recruited previously. And I think he's probably talking about guys like Kamara and Kent, but probably also talking about Morelos. Um every single one of them, I think Kamara was excellent first half and I think Morelos was 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 looking back to his best again second half. So a, a lot of positives as you say. Yeah, sure, sorry, was, sorry, I'm just on that. I think I think there was a feeling yesterday that the 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 geo horseshoe was had been melted down, or somebody traded it into the scrap merchants because the amount of times that actually, whereas before it would just go from right wing to right right full back and all the way around through the you know the defenders and back down the left again and then work its way all the way back again, there was actually positivity there that if somebody saw a pass on or a chance to actually pick the ball up and, and go with it. They did that. And and you know, and again, what you, the, the both of you were saying there, that was that was more to do, I think, with the, the, the pace and tempo that Rangers is pointless, you know, pointless spending three minutes just sending the ball from side to side if you're not going to make any progress going forward. And I think that kind of level of urgency was actually there to be seen yesterday. Yeah, I mean I, I think the goals maybe highlight that sure. Uh so, I mean, as you mentioned, Dylan, on Tolman had a, had a really good game. Uh, first goal was really good. Tav, delivery, finished it well. 
Second one was from a corner. After mm. we're near, <laughs> near fainted when that happened, you know, I'm struggling to remember the last time Rangers scored from a corner. So it's Johnny Hubbard. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sure I'm sure David Cooper got a few assists for corners to be fair. But you know, the, the, there was there was just a feeling even even earlier on, and again, all this comes under the sort of you know, we've got to remember the context of the game, it's a friendly and all that kind of stuff. But there, there, there were still signs, and I think Tolman's a good example of that. You know, a player who has looked like a really good acquisition at one point and then at other times looked like he's sort of flattering and deceiving, being almost invisible in games. As you said, Stuart, he, early doors, he, he looked like he, he had a point to prove. Now, mm. we know that Beals had a, had a lot of the players that are in that dressing room, right? So they've been there for a while. But there are, there are also players that, he, he hasn't worked with before. And and Tillman's one of them. And I was kind of looking at Tillman yesterday thinking, you know what, if Beal can get this guy more in, there's no doubt about it, he is a player. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, I think you're, you're, you're correct in what you say. You know, the, the, the example of Tillman is actually maybe one that's slightly different from everyone else, given that he wasn't recruited under that particular regime. Therefore, his mindset might be that... Uh, you know, I need to prove myself. I need to prove myself to somebody who's not seen me. Therefore, the only way I'm going to do that is if I take an active part in the game. Whereas he, I, I think, arguably, he looked the most disinterested um, in the tail end or the latter end of um, Gio's yeah. kind of reign. Um, I, I mean, the thing wasn't in flashes. He showed everybody what he could do. You know, the headed goal in European competition was... was was fantastic. Other things that he did, he he looked a player, but it was it's keeping him at that level of or the interest and keep the interest level up. I think it's all important. Dougie, as 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 uh, sure it mentioned earlier on there, you know, a total of twenty one players used yesterday, uh, including the likes of Adam Devine, you know, young boy getting experience. Thought it was good to see Lowry get back into things. You know, he looked good again, obviously been out with injury and all the rest of it. Uh, again, another one that you think if, if he was to get an opportunity in the team, that it, it, it could be a game changer because I, I think the boy looks looks different class. I, I don't know if you've seen the clip for training when he absolutely rinsed James Tavernier. I mean, you know, James Tavernier had to pay to get back into the game. So, you know, definite signs that, you know, one or two players will come on and speak to speak about Connor Goldson and, and uh, Ben Davies because there's, there's talk of those two coming back as well. So, again, just a sort of, I mean, I know it was a horrible, cold, miserable day yesterday, just a bit of a sort of training exercise, as Stuart said, but I, I felt nothing but positive came out of it. You know, all the players got some minutes in the legs, one or two guys coming back from injury and signs that the, the squad are, are, are buying into the, the, the new man. Yeah, it's good to watch a Rangers game and feel positive again, isn't it? Um, I'll, 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 I'll just wait till Thursday to be fair. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've been no, here okay. before, Diggy. I've been here before. Live by the day, Colin. Yep. Um, in, in terms of the personnel, I think um, everyone's playing for the future right now under Beal. Beal will want to, to assess every player individually himself and, and, um, and, and look at them before we head into the January transfer window. I've kind of broken it up into a couple of different camps. Um, interestingly for me, that one of the camps is who, who are the players that didn't get to flourish under Gio because of his fairly negative tactics. Um, the one that I'm looking at that I think will excel under under Beal with um, a newfound creativity and freedom is Tillman. 
and no surprise that he's the one that, 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 that kind of stole the show um, yesterday. Um, it was interesting hearing Bill talk about he had an idea of the formation and the style that he wanted to play. But then with the way that, that Tillman came in and, and, and showed in training and then showed at games, Michael Beale's going to have to slightly change his plans because Tillman's really impressed him so far, and that's really good to hear. So I think Tillman's probably the one player that I'm looking at thinking he he's he's the player that might flourish under Beale. There's then players that will get a chance. I think um, Rabi Matondo has looked very, very poor under Gio. Um, he's a player that was called out specifically in the AGM by, by one supporter to Ross Wilson as a field signing already within six months. And I would go along with that so far. Um, but Bill himself said in the interviews, and it, and it kind of suggested to me that, that um, Matondo's maybe been on a short list for a while at the club. Maybe um, whilst Gerard was in charge and Bill was still there because Bill spoke about wanting to work with some of the new players that he's, that he's seen before they joined Rangers. So I think he's maybe wanting to work with Matondo and see if there is a player in there. But I think he's got to make a fast assessment of, of Matondo because um, that right wing position has been a, a problem area for us for a while. Um, and we can't hang on to a player that's not good enough. Um, but the last one's quite an interesting category for me, which is um, players that, that performed under Geo that might not necessarily suit Bill's style. I think there's a risk that the first high-profile casualty in the new Bill era could be Antonio Cholak. Um, I think if you compare Cholak to Morelos, and it's just assessing them inside a friendly match, right, or a, um, yeah, inside a, a warm-up game against Leverkusen, and we don't like to, to judge players in 45 minutes, but Cholak didn't show a lot. And even at latterly under Gio, he didn't show a lot. He is a a goal scorer, but when he's not scoring goals, he doesn't offer us a lot. When Morelos came on, and I've seen some comments in here already in the in, in, in the um, in the in the chat um, that Morelos, we, we should be moving him on in January. It's interesting hearing Bill talk about guys like Morelos um, and Kent <clears throat> that he's going to give them a chance. He's going to speak them speak to them about contracts. Um, we've seen a very different Morelos, and I think that's the interesting thing for me about the personnel right now. Go back to my comment earlier on and I'm looking at some of the boys in the eyes. Um, whoever we recruited as a manager was going to fail unless he's backed by the board. Um, and that's huge as we go into January. Um, we need to back Beal. However, it's about getting a tune from some of the players that Beal himself has already said are highly capable. And it's the first time this season that I've seen that Alfredo Morelos is a footballer. He set up a great chance for our field. He won the penalty. Um Unfortunately, it's not been a good week for, for Englishmen uh, taking penalties, as Tav found out. Um, and he, he set up the, the goal as well. Um, so it's good to see Morelos back looking fitter, looking stronger. Um, it wouldn't surprise me, if you look to the Hibs game, if, if, if Morelos started. Um, but as I said, I think I think Cholak could be the first high-profile casualty of the, the Bill era. But seriously, Dougie, would you trust Morelos? Because, I, I mean, I've been doing this show for five years now. Morelos has been there pretty much the full time and we've had this, yeah, he's looking fitter, his attitudes look better. I've lost count how many times I've said that and he always, and I mean always, goes on to let us down again. I think I think the risk with Morelos is Morelos plays when Morelos wants to play. We all know what a quality player he is and I think he is our best striker. On his day, he is our best striker 
And if we want to mount any kind of challenge in the league or we want to win any silverware this season, we need our best players on the pitch. Um, so we need to get them on the pitch. But there is a huge question mark if, if his head isn't in it, whether it be now or at Rangers, we do need to move him on. And I think January is going to be really interesting as Beal's looking at these guys in the eye and determining whether they want to be here, whether they want to play for him, whether they have any appetite to sign a new contract. Um, because we've seen across the other side of the city, when they had a similar issue with guys like Ryan Christie, they ended up moving Ryan Christie on for nearly a million pounds because they wanted to just bring something into the bank to be able to reinvest in the squad. For me, we've, we've let ourselves get into a real mess with the contract situation with Morelos, but it'll be interesting as, as we go into January whether we decide to, to move him on or not, what he does from a contract perspective, but see whilst he's here, I'd play him Colin. Mm. Well, different opinions there I'm afraid do you? Uh, but, it, but it segues into the sort of next next point Stuart the, the, the sort of the inbox of, of Michael Beale uh, you know his priorities so you know as, as Dougie said there there's a, the issue with Ken and Morelos their contracts there's a Glenn Kamara situation you know he sort of fell out of things altogether although he, he put in a, a positive performance yesterday you know, he's got, a, he's got a, a window coming up uh, you know, he'll need to identify players and, and, and try and get players in and, and get those ones that he thinks aren't going to do a job from out. It's, you know, he's, he's, he's got a lot to do. It, and, and again, he's, he's got to do it quickly because he's come in, as Geo did, he's come in halfway through a season. He doesn't have the, the luxury of a pre-season to sort of sit and work things out, get the players, you know, trained up and all the rest of it. He's got to really hit the ground running. You know, that's it. The, the real action starts again on Thursday. He's got four games, I think, until that game against Celtic on 2nd of January. And, and I would argue he would have to win all four. He'd give himself an opportunity to lower the points uh, against them on 2nd of January. So what do you think the main priorities are from right now? You know, If you were going into that Rangers uh, dressing room as the manager right now, what, what would be the things that you would be thinking, right, this is what I need to deal with? I think well, one of the first things would be a level of consistency. You know, um, you'd be looking for Rangers as a collective to be turning in, you know, at worst, seven out of ten for performances on a weekly basis, rather than this, you know, looking like world beaters one day and then looking as if they had to be formally introduced to each other the, the, the following week. Um, I, th- I think, you know, the more you start to think about where Rangers are at, the more you realise that Michael Beale could have some real headaches and problems. First of all, we, we don't really know what he has budget-wise or what Rangers, you know, have to spend in January. Um, if anything, the way, you know, there's been so much backtracking in terms of how much Rangers earned last season uh, and the likes. You also have to look at every single department in that team. And I don't think there's a single area where... I mean, and as Dougie highlighted there, even the two sort of lead strikers, they both offer different things, but they they're both offering different things almost in installments. What one is what you know what you one of the two are you going to get the most out of, and I, I you know and I, personally I think not just even for this season, but actually going forward, the one of the big areas that Rangers really have to make a decision is in you know is amongst the goalkeepers. Who who are you going to who do you see as your number one going forward? Because to my mind, 
there is nobody there that I see as a, an out-and-out number one going into next season. So I think Rangers will actually have to go and, and purchase a goalkeeper. I said it last season, a couple of seasons ago, when McGregor was outstanding, this was not going to last forever because every goalkeeper, you know, of, of you know, any standard reaches almost a sell-by point. And I think we saw, you know, a year after it helped Rangers win the title, McGregor just wasn't at the races in a great many games. Mm. I don't think there's any able or capable backups um, some of the outlandish suggestions that somebody should be, you know, dispatched on a flight to Qatar, and as soon as the Croatian keeper steps off the pitch, sign him. Utter bonkers. Rangers have only spent ten million quid, you know, in history over with one player, um, and and they ain't going to do that for a goalkeeper, even if it does last them ten years. So you know, get a bit of reality to some of these suggestions. But I do think. The players coming back and needing fitness will be assessed and judged simply by the fact if they're fit and they're in the team, they're wanted. If they're fit and they ain't and they're on the bench, there's a question mark over them. And I and I think it's this could be a long, long January. It's it's really strange. You know, you've had this break where there's been nothing. You're coming back to play games in January, and all of a sudden. You've got the whole, you know, reassessment of the team to be done. So I think this January could be could be key to whatever Rangers does. And I and I, I really do hope that they show a bit of faith in Bill and that the you know the investment or the you know the speculation in terms of the players, how much they're willing to pay or, or uh, splash out on maybe a couple of new faces. I really do hope that it's not governed by the result in the first old firm game of the season. You know, I think there could be a lot of things said, well, we'll do this, we'll do that, we'll do the next thing. If the result doesn't go Michael Beale's way, I do wonder how much he lets to get to spend. It's one of the things he maybe does need to look at is, uh, you know, morale. And, you know, you, you, you were talking earlier on about some of the sound bites and stuff that's been said in interviews uh, from players sort of suggesting that you know all wasn't well with, with, with the previous manager I think it's it's interesting to point out I think only maybe one or two of the players have commented on social media I think Cholak was one of them uh, and I can't quite remember That's who the other was but pretty much no one else commented on their sort of Insta or their Twitter or anything like that when, when he left which I think is quite telling so I mean if, if if, if that does point to there being an issue, you know, with the previous manager, that it's an unhappy group. Well, Beale himself, you know, he, he, he said in his, his interview when he was unveiled that he, he didn't think this team was as broken as everybody says. However, he did say yesterday that this group is in a different place mentally from the group that he left a year ago. So that would suggest to me that there, there are some players in there that need lifted, that need belief put into them. Would you say that's one of his sort of primary jobs at the moment? Yeah, I would have started with fitness. Um, you know, when you asked to shoot the question, I think the first starting point for me would have been to build the fitness up. And I think we can see that he's doing that. I think morale's up there as well. Um, it's interesting, after I made the comment about Morella, seeing everyone in the comments absolutely slaughter me right now. So I think I'm, I'm alone in my view that Morella deserves a chance right now. I'd switch um, my think, camera off if I were you and just go to your bed. I think so, mate. <laughs> 
Um, I, 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 t- I tend to find it's best not to look at the comments to get, you, know, you just, just don't look at them that's, that's, that, that's my, my life motto these days just don't look at the comments uh, especially when your best pals in there slagging your hairline um, <laughs> do, do you know I think I think the point I'm making about Morelos goes back to Morelos there's, there's, there's a lot of players there that have not played um, for Gio that's whether um, whether they had issues with them personally whether they didn't suit his style I think you look at guys like Kent, he hasn't performed well under Gio. Um, Morelos was very poor um, this season. He, he looked overweight. I think the fitness will have a big issue. Kamara. I think the point about Morelos is if you get these guys in the right headspace, we know they are quality players if they're in the right headspace. Um, we don't know what's happening in training. Obviously, we're all probably watching all the clips on Rangers TV where you're seeing um, you know, eight, nine-minute clips, but you don't know what else is happening there. I just think if you get these guys in the right headspace, Colin, especially guys like Morelos, this isn't this isn't a bad team. It's not a terrible team. It's a team that needs a few minor tweaks to the start of eleven. And I think the frustration for me, and it's the same frustration for a number of supporters, is it's the same minor tweaks that's been needed for a number of years now. And as you're talking about getting into January, the, the issue that I've got with January is it's just a horrible month for buying and selling players. Um, nobody wants to sell their players mid-season. So the, the prices, the market's inflated, and therefore you end up shopping around the loan deals, hence previous deals for guys like Ramsey and Diallo. And I don't think that's the answer. So I'm not sure January's going to be the utopia that I think a lot of us want it to be. We may have money to spend. I think the soundbite says that there's money to spend there if, if Bill feels the need to spend it. I just don't know what you know whether we're going to have value for money when it comes to January. Um, but I think the priority right now is let's get a tune out of these players. Let's see who wants to be here. The ones that don't want to be here, let's get them out the door and see what we can do in January. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh, do, do you get the, the, the injury situation? Interesting comments reveal yesterday saying that uh, Connor Goldson and Ben Davies are returning to training uh, you know, over the next couple of days, next 24, 48 hours. Uh, and both are in contention for Thursday. A little bit of a surprise, you know, you... I was speaking to John McCallum about this, and he made a good point that, well, after especially Goldson, if, if they were that close to being in contention, you would imagine they would have got at least some minutes yesterday, you know, just to, to put some minutes in the legs. So I don't know if it's maybe just a little bit of PR fluff to sort of lift the mood a little bit, you know what I mean? And we'll find out that come Thursday they're not actually there, but it would certainly point, it was certainly said that Connor Goldson is... is you know, well ahead of schedule in terms of his comeback. So it, would, it looks to me like he'll be coming back in January at some point. So again, talking earlier, you know, Lowry's back, you know, there's Talkie Davies and goals and coming back. Just a wee sign that that injury spell we went through there is, is we're maybe coming out the, the other end of it. Yeah, I think the journalists in the press room were equally as surprised as you were, Colin, when they heard that Goldson was 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 back in uh, full training and ready to play a, a part on Thursday because they asked the question twice in total disbelief that uh, that he's back so soon. I think I, I, I'm a little bit with you. I think it's a soundbite to to get a bit of positivity around the current injury situation. It's a question that was asked at the AGM. Um, a lot of supporters are talking about the key players that are missing right now. Given that neither of them featured um, against Leverkusen, I don't know if any of them will play on Thursday. Um, King and Sands played well. But I think Beal himself said that they played well because they had a team defending around about them. I think the risk when you've got King and Sands is they're, they're both um, relatively inexperienced centre-backs. 
King's also an academy graduate. Um, Sands is a natural central midfielder, despite what Gio said. I think Bill corrected him in, in one of his press conferences. Um, Connor Golden is a leader at the back, and Ben Davies was a big summer signing. So they're, they're big losses, and it would be a big boost to come back. I just don't think they're going to play on Thursday. Um, I think when, when Bill talks about the schedule coming up, he has to protect certain players with the schedule coming up. I think when you've got Aberdeen at Patoji and then you're looking at the 2nd of January with, with them coming coming to us, you need to make sure that we don't throw Golton in too early and he gets a setback. We've seen it so many times. Um, so it'll be interesting to see the team sheet on Thursday. I'm not expecting any of them um, from the start, maybe one of them on the bench. But what a huge boost it is for um, for us having, having the both of them back available to play. But on the training pitch and in the dressing room, I think Conor Golton in particular has a huge, huge influence. Um, but as you say, there's, there's so many players. Um, you mentioned Alex Lowry earlier on and, and his his cameo appearance. Um, Alex Lowry's a damn good youngster. Um, some of the players that are, that are missing and have been missing. There was no Kamar Roof, which was a bit of a surprise for me um, yesterday. Um, it'll be interesting to see what the injury situation is with a lot because certainly under Gio, he wasn't given away a lot. So we don't really know exactly what the stage is of, of each player and when they're expected back. But what a boost it's going to be when you get all these guys back because um, to, to, to sound like a member of the Rangers board, it, it will be a, like a new signing when, when guys like Yanis Hadji come back for the first game in, in you know, 12 months' time or after 12 months of being out um, because these are huge players for us and they're damn good players as well. And, um, all of them have been missed and when when um, when you've got a squad not as strong as ours, um, losing a player like Golden, Hadji, they've been, been big losses. Sure. In terms of the the, the actual title race itself, uh, I noticed Neil McCann on Rangers TV yesterday saying, and and I agree with him. By the way, you know if 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 Bill can get a tune out of this team, uh, if he can if he can you know get them motivated, get them you know playing and tempo, winning games, you know I, I don't think nine points is that much. I, I think the, the margin of error is pretty much gone. You know, you, you are looking at, in my opinion, you're, you're going to have to go on a run probably through January, February and into March without losing a game to, to see where that leaves you. But, you know, I've seen, I mean, I've seen Rangers turn it around nine points when it was two points for a win in Sunnis' first season. They were nine points behind at Christmas and they managed to turn that around. Do you think if, if Beal can go in and, and, and lift this squad and, and you know, improve results, that there is still a title race to be, to, to, to be had here? Yeah, you know, I, I think the fact that you have games against your nearest and dearest and biggest rivals that would be had. Dearest? Yes, you're, you're, always, <laughs> you're also, um, you're also, um, you're also reliant now. I mean, it's, I think this is why the, the kind of, the two previous uh, games against Celtic were so disheartening in as much as you know, Rangers Rangers um, needed performances in those games, but they, they, they almost needed performances in those games, one, to try and get back into the, the kind of title race, but also to make up for the the lamentable de- performances that had either previously or afterwards. I mean, some of the some of the Rangers' performances this season have been shocking. And I think, you know, if Bill can get them motivated and 
you get a bit of positivity about the place. Yeah, they can grind out the, the you know results, but you're now at a stage where you 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 don't have any um you know there's no tolerance there for any any mistakes or any errors. So suddenly matches away games at Tynecastle or away games at um Pataudry or the lights suddenly look like tap dancing in a minefield something because it you know it can could all go horribly wrong in one match. And yes, Rangers could beat Celtic um you know at any time. But the fact is because of that inconsistency that we've seen, there's no guarantee that they, they might not beat Celtic and then completely, you know, the wheels would come back off again against somebody or one of the lesser lights. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how Bill gets that almost like sports psychology into them, that they can win matches and they can go on a, an unbeaten run. Just on that, what I would say is, I pretty much think they, they would need to go on an unbeaten run from now until the end of the season. I, I really do. And the thing is, it's okay being on, on an unbeaten run, but that doesn't mean to say you can still afford to drop points and only take a draw and still say, well, we haven't lost a game for two, three, four, five months because you could be drawing games where you desperately need a win and still not make you know, um, any comeback into, into the league that Celtic have currently got. So a, a couple of really big games coming up before you even get into or just into, into, you know, the new year. And so much of that is going to shape, for me, is going to shape what exactly happens for Beal and for Rangers in the transfer market. I know there's a promise of money being there, but you, you just, uh, there's a bit of me that just says the purse strings won't be released quite as easily if there's no results forthcoming. Right, guys, on, on to uh, matters relating to the board, actually, and, and, you know, finance and all that kind of thing. The AGM last week there, uh, I think we were all expecting it to be a bit fiery and a bit, you know, full on in the board and uh, people like Ross Wilson to take a bit of criticism. But I, 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 I know Wilson took some, but I, I think overall it turned out to be quite quite a tame affair. Uh, and then I, and then I feel that, I don't want to say the board got away with away with one because you know I, I think we have to be careful in, in what we wish for here I mean I know there's, there's issues with uh, some supporters in terms of the board but I think sometimes you you have to look at who you might get in rather than who we've got at the moment as you know as I said be careful what you wish for but I mean the positives that, 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 that sort of came out of the AGM you know there was an announcement that there's extra seats for the uh, disabled supporters which has been rumbling on for years you know it's, it's a it's a bit of staying in really that it's taken that 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 long uh, you know, the, the record turnover, there's a record turnover, 86.8 million. Uh, the auditors are now, you know, completely satisfied that the club is essentially self-sufficient, can can pay the bills and stuff like that. Negatives, you know, sort of below the, the low income from the Champions League. I mean, we're, we're all talking about these big figures, as, as, as is always the case when it comes to the Champions League. Didn't really materialise and you know what, what was quoted at the AGM was, was, was quite poor continuing issues with my jails obviously the retail stuff as well with Castor and stuff like that but there was absolutely no mention of the you know the impending 
legal action against the club from Elite and Hummel. Nothing about that and how we ended up in that situation. Nothing about the impending legal action by the organisers, uh, the, the, the Sydney tournament there. I, I just felt like when I was reading some of the questions that were coming up, I was kind of half following it in Twitter. You know, I mean, some guy went on about the COVID stuff and all that. I was just like, you know, you've got the board in front of you. You know, you need to, you only get them. You really only get them in front of you once a year at the AGN. You know, that's the time when you should be asking pertinent questions. And I'm not convinced that was the case. I think, we, we, you know, there was a missed opportunity there to get some more information at the board. Uh, Doug, I'll come to you first on this. How, how did you feel about the AGN? I just seen one of the comments there saying the board get away with murder. And... Uh, you know, I, I'm a bit like you, Colin. I don't want to criticise the board given um, the position they took us over on and, and, and where they've taken us to. Um, but I have to agree. I think there's been a lot, you know, you called it a negative there. Um, there was no mention of Australian friendly. Um, another court case. I was just a wee bit surprised that these things were not were not put to the board, but they weren't they weren't put pressure on by the by the by the, the shareholders. And I think the word shareholders probably used loosely because I think when you are a, a huge multi-million pound company, um, the norm is that the shareholders are genuine investors in the company. I think when you're a football club, it tends to be supporters who are passionate about the future of the club and um, what it means to them. And there, there is a variety of um, different levels of shareholders when it comes to Rangers. You've obviously got your, your, your big level shareholders who who won't be attending the AGM, they'll be having conversations offline, um, and you'll get your supporters that have had the £1 share that, that allows them to attend the AGM as a, as a Christmas present. And it, it, it just felt like a wasted opportunity for me, and I don't think it was a great reflection of the range of support. Um, i seen somebody on Twitter describe it as teas and toilets being aired. There was a lot of um, questions about ticketing and my jars, and I think it was um, probably... Um, I, you know, I seen I seen a comparison. I seen a comment saying that's what happens when you have a, an absent supporter liaison officer. That you you end up having a lot of these questions raised in an AGM because the feel has been silence coming um, from within the club mm. to 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 questions that supporters need answered. You know, there's there's you know a, a supporter says he's been a, a supporter for over fifty years and he's he's only a silver Nigerian member and he wasn't able to get tickets to Seville and blah blah blah. That's very important to that supporter, but it's not a question for the AGM. And I think that's where there's a bit of a gap in the communication between the fans and, and, and the club at the moment, that those kind of questions should be addressed outside of the AGM. Um, but let's let's be honest, there is, there is a lot of positives. And as somebody that works in finance, I, I can look at the accounts um, potentially slightly differently at times and, and, and see see the positives in the accounts. There's, there's also questions about um, about the spending on players. You just mentioned there about the disabled facilities. The disabled facilities have been unacceptable at Rangers for a number of years, and I think a lot of supporters have been calling this out. Rangers have a, a slogan, um, everyone, anyone, um, but the anyone part seems to be anyone capable of getting into the ground. Um, so I think it's only about time that we've, we've improved the disabled facilities, um, but it costs money. To, to, to make those changes um, a number of supporters will will be impacted because we have to, to remove seats um, and, and um, reallocate supporters elsewhere within the stadium that have potentially sat in those seats for a number of years so I sympathise um, with those supporters um, we also lose out in match day revenue um, on on average over a year I think it's £500,000 we, we lose out on 
So there's big money um, involved in, in investing and in, in improving the disabled facilities and, and losing the annual income from, from those seats being sold. Um, but I think that's what you see in the accounts. You know, you can criticise the board for, for the spending of, um, of the money that we've had and whether we've really truly in, invested and in, in, improved the, the squad. But you look at how that money's been spent in the last 12 months. Um, we have had to settle a number of court cases, including Sports Direct. Um, I guess that um, uh, was 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 previous yeah. to this current. Yeah, board. that was that was a legacy this year, I suppose. Yeah, as is Elite. Elite is a previous chairman of ours, um, and I think that's where I, I have a, a level of sympathy with this current current board and the pressure that was put on guys like Douglas Park and and, and everyone hailing Dave King as a hero. A lot of these messes were created by Dave King, the Elite, and the Hummels issue was created by Dave King. And I think for me, he enters into a lot of um, a lot of contracts and he, he, he seems to open his mouth at times in the press um, without fully understanding the consequences and I think that's what's happening with Elite. So, um, yeah, there's, there's, there's positives in terms of um, we've had to settle some of the court cases and, and, that, um, and that, that, that clears the decks, so to speak. And um, when we go to the table to negotiate a, a new kit supplier in the future, you're no longer tied to Sports Director. You're no longer having this kind of legal battle ongoing that, that may put off some of your bigger brands like Nike and Adidas. That had to get done. It's been done. It's now out of the way. It'll never happen again. It'll, you know, Sports Direct will never be seen, hopefully, in a set of accounts ever again at Rangers Football Club. Um, but there was a number of other things that we had to pay off. Um, improvements to the stadium, Edmondson House, all these things that, that are money generators for years to come. A lot of the criticism of the board is around spending of the money. The board's position right now is, is absolutely risk-free. You know, 10 years ago, uh, we were liquidated. And this board, our range of supporters, they, they want the club to be self-sufficient. And what that means is we have to generate our own, our own income. And that's what they're trying to do with the facilities like Edmiston House, improving the hospitality suites and increasing the prices of, 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 of tickets like Bar 72. It's to... It's to, in, you know, it's to increase the revenue, it's to increase the, the income coming into the club that, that allows us to be self-sufficient. So there's a lot of positives there. Um, at the same time as, as the negatives, you know, you mentioned there about the low income from the Champions League. Um, I think the Champions League money, as well as the Bassi and the Rebo money, will be next year's accounts. But I've I seen a stat that um, I shared in the Jersey WhatsApp earlier on that, that completely baffled me when, when I was doing my research into the AGM earlier on. Despite getting to the Europa League final, our income generated was still only 50% of Norwich cities who finished bottom of the English Premiership. And I think that's a bit of realism required for a lot of supporters is, you know, we didn't get the huge sums of money that, that people expect us to get to from reaching a European final. The same can be said about the Champions League, and that's in the bank balance right now, but it'll be shown in the, the accounts next season. I think a lot of people were expecting us to get like fifty million pounds, but because of coefficient and the fact that we've not been in the Champions League, there was two Scottish clubs in the Champions League and all that good stuff. It was only fifteen million pounds. So there's a bit of realism required around the money generated, um, but a, a, a lot of good space. The one thing I'd say is there was one good question put to Ross Wilson about the recruitment, but I think the the fees being quoted to a number of players is what distracted. Um, from the main point and Ross Wilson was able to navigate his way around the question by by basically picking holes within the question because um, I think the, 
the, the, the question raiser mentioned that we paid two million pounds for Bakuna, for example, whereas you know we got Bakuna for free, and as Ross Wilson said, um, we ended up making a profit on Bakuna. But I think the point still stands that the recruitment's not been not been good enough, and I think that's where we let ourselves down. I think I think the questions and the the challenge put to the board wasn't good enough. But I think when you reflect on it, I think the board handled the situation very well. I think we were expecting fireworks, um, but I think the board had well-rehearsed answers to, to each of the questions and I think they were able to respond to them. The, the last point that I was going to call out was um, the question around Morelos and Kent. For example, why is it we've allowed Alfredo Morelos and Ryan Kent to run down their contract? And the point that was made was we do not allow players to run down their contracts. We did not get bids for them. And that's the reality is that these guys have got six months left of their contract. In the summer, we did not get any bids for them. So we couldn't sell them in the summer. Um, and I think there's a there's a recognition of, okay, we're in that situation just now, but there's also a, a learning um, going forward that when we get bids for, for our players when they're on form, um, sometimes you have to accept them. You know, I think back to Morelos, there was a 16 or 17 million pound bid from Leo at one point, and we knocked it back because we valued them above 20 million pounds. Looking back in reflection, that was a poor decision. We should have accepted the money. Um, but hindsight's a wonderful thing. And I think when you look back, um, that decision ended up winning his 55. So um, you can't look back with regrets, but I think there's a lot of learnings um, that this board will take forward. And I think um, I'm still not sold on the board as such. There's, there's a lot of criticisms that I think are, that are warranted right now. Um, but I think I think they'll do a lot of learning from, from the past couple of years. Um, even things like no fan zone for the, the Europa League final inside the stadium was an own goal for us when you're talking about money generated. We could have made money from that. So I think there's a lot of learnings for the board, but it's not all doom and gloom. I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that um, the board are learning. I think that hopefully the board will look at the squad despite saying it's strong enough and despite saying the game is investment, that they know it's not strong enough, but they can't say that publicly. Um so yeah, I'm, I'm I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that a lot of the, the legacy issues are behind us. The money being spent just now on not strengthening the squad has been put to the right places just now, and it's a one-off that doesn't need to get done every year. And and hopefully, if we can continue to generate a high level of income from player sales, from from success in Europe, that this um, that this model that the auditors seem to be very happy with at the moment um, does become self-sufficient, but it does free up more money to be spent in the future on, on wages, which has increased by £6 million per year, but also on transfer fees. Um, because at the end of the day, that's how we judge the money that we spend. We, we, we judge it as supporters on have the board spent it on players that have improved our starting eleven. And, and unfortunately, um, I think I called out before the World Cup break that only two players signed in the last three years have played more than 50% of the games available. And that's John Lindstrom and Antonio Cholak. And, and therefore, I would say that the, the standard of recruitment has been pretty poor in the past couple of years. So um, a long-winded way of saying um, the board did get away lately, but I, I think there's room for optimism. On the board, sure. I, I mean, are they the people who take the club forward? I mean, I don't think anyone in their right mind could say that they've not done a good job for Rangers. You know, that, I mean... They've personally put their hand in their pocket. As Dougie said there, they're, they're all Rangers men. Uh, you would argue that they're probably coming at this with the right intentions. But they're, they're, you can't deny, you simply can't deny that uh, there have been some really poor decisions made at, at, at board level. 
I, I mean, the, the Sydney Cup ones, <laughs> I mean, whoever ag- agreed to, to that in the first place, it's poor, in my opinion, really, really poor. And now we're looking at legal action against the club. I know the club have launched a counter uh, sort of legal action, but it, it just feels... It feels to me sometimes like it's two steps forwards, one step back, the Rangers at the moment with the board. And I do sometimes think, again, be careful what you wish for because you don't know who would be coming in if, 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 if we did get new owners. But I, I, I agree with Dougie. I, I do think there's room for improvement. I do think there's still strategic errors getting made at boardroom level. And it's quite frustrating, you know, because there's so much good work being done that, that, that these things are undermining that good work. Yeah, I used to work beside somebody who regularly put a call out to the copy boys shouting service revolver, which meant that somebody was going to be taken outside and executed because of something they'd done in the in the uh, you know in the shop floor. Um I don't think they're quite at that stage yet at, at Rangers, but you know Rangers fans put their hands in their pockets as well, and they do so for tickets and the lights, they don't expect that money then to be written off fighting legal cases, whether they are historic, whether they're current, regardless of who caused them. You're a, a, you know, a working man and basically you could be buying a season ticket for yourself and maybe for your son or your, somebody else in your family. You want that to be going for, want to pay for your seats too for transfers. And you don't expect that the suddenly the back page of the you know tabloid newspapers to be turning out stories about Rangers are doing X, Y, and Z because they've been taken to task or taken to court. I mean, the, the I, I still think the 1986 headline when Spurs had a certain issue with, with a, a similar kit manufacturer uh, humiliated is is we'll see the light of day at some point in the in the near future. Um, the, the AGM itself, I couldn't remember whether it was Ceausescu in Romania or the Chinese Politburo, but the stage is just filled up with people and you're looking along the line saying, well, who are you and what question specifically are you going to answer if you're actually asked it? I don't think, you know, I think a lot of these things are just talking shops and and people who could actually ask questions and hold people to account either over the finances or recruitment or the likes, don't always get a, a, a word. And I also think there should be more said or more inquiries done regarding the likes of my jails. I mean, I see some of the things that can, you know, can come in on um, like a family email account for, you know, uh, my son to buy tickets or get this. He doesn't need a Rangers branded fishing rod, you know what I mean? It, it, for Christmas, it's it's like you're you're looking at you know they're saying well we'll give you this we'll take this we'll give you this and all that. Half the stuff, half the stuff is like you know Del Boy Trotter offers. You want either to pay for a membership that's going to get you tickets. A lot of the time, they're not interested in the 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 fluff and the peripheries. So I think. I think they need to get their house in order as far as that goes. Uh, all in all, you're right. The, 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 there's guys there who are dedicated and diligent to the task at hand simply because they've had to do a rebuilding job. I just wonder how long the, 
they'll be able to pass off doing a rebuilding job and try to get you know Rangers established again. I just wonder how long that'll that'll last before they get really bogged down and not answering sort of some delicate issues and not dealing with some matters that are actually going to take Rangers forward on the pitch rather than in the courts. In terms of like, you know, you were you were talking there about, you know, credibly challenging the board at these events rather than asking questions about COVID passports and stuff like that. Is that maybe where Club eighteen seventy two are failing at the moment? Because I, I I'm a big advocate of, you know, I think fan ownership is the way to go, right? It's difficult in the current environment because football clubs are worth so much money. I mean, you know, you've seen all the stuff down south about Liverpool being up for sale, you know, and the huge amounts of money. Obviously, fan ownership for a club that size is just, it's probably a non-starter. Those days are gone for those types of clubs. However, you know, even if fan ownership isn't possible, you could still have fan representation at board level. You could still have an organisation that has a... a a relationship with the club and challenges them on issues like ticketing on the, on the you know the the retail side and getting bombarded with emails every day offering you this that and the next thing. Is that maybe where they're failing? Because I recently I recently stopped my subscriptions. I was just like, you know what, I, I just don't feel there's enough coming from them. And there's there's obviously governance issues and issues with you know who's in Club uh, eighteen seventy two and you know. The, does the whole business with Dave King and all the rest of it. So it just feels like not enough the, the fan base find that a credible enough organisation. If it was credible, surely that would be the vehicle where you would have a, a body to, to really challenge the board at events like the AGM. Yeah, but the critics are fragmented in, you know, what, what they're, they're trying to do. You know what I mean? There are, there are various bodies and various organisations who... All de- who all think they're speaking for other elements of the support, and they're they're not speaking with one voice. If they were speaking with one voice, they would actually be it'd be a more concerted sort of criticism of the board. I think they end up falling over themselves, to be absolutely honest, and and seeing who's first in the queue or going to come up with the best question or whatever it is, rather than anybody really really putting their head or putting their heads together and really challenging what the boards are about. There's only so much the, 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 the board can do. Dookie's absolutely spot on. I did I, you know I, I I remember writing this about five years ago. Um it was Celtic who had had won the the the, the Scottish title and who had gone into the Champions League and the likes and they still earned 50 million quid less than Wolverhampton Wanderers who had been the worst team in the English top flight that year and were relegated. I mean, that is that is astounding. So geographically, you, you profit more from where you are geographically rather than anything you actually do on the pitch. And I think the whole Europa uh, League run last season sort of typified that. And and I heard, you know, and again, you, you take it that it's a success for Rangers. You then look at West Ham and it was almost like a kind of sideshow stroke distraction that would be quite good to win. But really in the day-to-day business of West Ham United, it didn't really matter if they reached the final or get knocked out in the semi-final. Financially, it was, you know, it was a, a, a Brucey bonus, but it, 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 it didn't make any kind of massive dent in what their finances were or what their finances were over the course of the year or the season. Whereas with Rangers... 
it was substantial. And I think one or two Rangers fans as well, that the, the AGM would have been a really good time to actually put one or two people on toast who allowed, which was basically an untruth, that how much Rangers had earned from their Europa League run and, and uh, qualify for the Champions League, put them on the spot, not as much to, to, to say, yeah, well, we, we only earned 10 or 15 million when um, it was, uh, we thought it would be near 30 million or 35 million. The question should have been asked, why did you allow this lie or this myth to be perpetrated and not do anything to cut it off at the past, just not do anything right at the outset when I mean, these figures would have been banded about. Instead of that, you had various people actually almost agreeing with these figures just to make themselves look good. And that, for a, a great many Rangers fans, I'd imagine, is pretty unforgivable. Hey, on a Thursday night, uh, guys, the, the return of the, the, the SPFL Rangers at Hibs at Ibrox Park. Michael Beale, obviously Michael Beale's first competitive game. Uh, a huge night. Dougie, you know, after Thursday, uh, it's, you know, we've got uh, Aberdeen at Pataudry, Ross County up at Dingwall, then Motherwell at Ibrox, and then obviously the Celtic game on, on the 2nd of January. You would assume that, you know, Beale has to take full points in those those four games before that, that game at Celtic to give himself an opportunity to reduce the gap to, to six points on, on the centre of January when we play Celtic. And if you do that, as I said earlier on, you know, you never know, we might just have a title race again. Yeah, let's think there's nothing about football because apparently if you side with the board and anything, you're chasing a blazer and want a place on the board. Um, so yes, on football right. matters. As, as <laughs> I told you not to read the comments, Dougie. Can, I told yeah. you. Do you, as, get, as, do you get to as, choose, sorry Dougie, do you get to choose whether you go straight to blazer or you get a tie first? Or, or do you... <laughs> Do you start off with the brogues and then go into the grey flannels and work your way up? Or do you have to start with the blazer first, like the, the bowling club, and get some badges in your lapels? I'll stick to the scarf and a big warm jacket and sit in the stands <laughs> like the rest of us true supporters, surely. Let, let's be honest, we all just want the best for Rangers Football Club. We're all supporters at the end of the day. We're all passionate about our football club, but let's not make anything, let, let, let's not get anything mixed up. But none of us here want anything hidden from our comments tonight. We're all just supporters that want the best thing for a football club. And on to football and matters, I think you're right, Colin. Tough run. Um, the winter period's always a busy period. Um, it's even busier, um, given that we've just had a World Cup break. Um, I want a tie too. Um, it's going to be a busy busy time. Tough games. Easter, uh, Hibs at Ibrooks, um, then Pataudry. Um I love the fixture schedule that the SFA always give us, you know, right before Christmas, we're, we're up to Pataudry and then um, right after Christmas, we're, uh, we're up to Dingwall, um, almost like it's deliberate. Um, and then we've got Celtic in the 2nd of January. Um, I think no matter where we are in the league, um, the expectations are the same. You win every single game. I think Stuart made the point earlier on, if we've got any um, aspirations of winning the league this season, we need to win every single game. So let's just focus on winning the games before um, the, the, the the year ends and then let's get Celtic back to Ibrox and see where we're at. Um, let's see the style of football we're playing under Beal, how we're performing under Beal, where the players' heads are at under Beal and then let's hope that on the 2nd of January we just scalp them because that's what we all want. We all want to see Rangers winning games. Sure, a huge night for, for Michael Beal on Thursday. You know, and, and, and you know, obviously 
we need a win. Uh, but to, I think if we get a win and, and a good performance, you know, it, it gives them that a good strong foundation to move forward. Yeah, I, I mean, some of us will still be in World Cup mode. <laughs> it's all very strange, isn't it? You know, but no, no, I, I think. Um, Michael Beals already had his first taste of being back at Ibrox on Saturday. It'll be different again um, when Hibs come calling because there is, I was going to say more at stake, everything's at stake um, in this game and you really would like to see some kind of performance from the players whose attitude um, has been has been questioned for so long. Um, and you know, I don't think Hibs will Hibs will make it easy. Personally, I don't think Hibs are any great shakes as a as a as a team. I think you know, knowing as many Hibs fans as I actually do, I think you know they will be looking at this and think to themselves, "Well, let's go to Ibrox and put a game on, and let's not get beat by too many." Whereas Rangers fans are thinking that Hibs are going to turn up and, and and maybe roll them over. You know, I think I think Rangers are more than capable of winning this game, but it's it, it will only be the first step, so to speak, in Rangers going forward under Michael Beale. Um, and you'd like to see him going off to a, a, a decent start, but that decent start then has to be continued into every single game. And the point that Dougie made there, I made it previously. Rangers could win every single game between now and the end of the season and already the title's lost. That has to be the realisation. So again, much as winning the matches are important, you can't win or beat, go to Pataudry and have a victory at Pataudry and then get caught with your pants down when you go to Dingwall. It just, it, that kind of thing cannot happen. The, the you know, the... The kind of error tolerance has been taken out of Rangers' season. It's a hundred percent or or bust, um, and even a hundred percent, it can still be still be too late to mount any kind of decent challenge. Colin, we're going to need a little bit of on our side, aren't we? And according to social media, we're going to get a chance to look at our first January uh, signing, aren't we? On on Thursday, according to everyone on social media, we're signing Ryan Porteous. Yeah, well, some of, us, <laughs> some of us, some of us, some of us have seen. You know, when I when I saw that about about uh, Portis, somebody messaged me and said, "Well, you'll maybe need to change your tune." No, I won't have to change my tune. Um, you know, and when it comes to you know players of a certain ilk signing for Rangers, you know, Rangers in the past have have signed the likes of guys like Jim Steele and. Um, you know, they sign one or two others with questionable backgrounds and tactics. You know, Gregor Steven. Gregor Stevens, yeah, yeah, yeah. Stephen famously, um, who I think was banned at one point in time for something like six months. Um, you know, I, listen, we've seen all this before, and I, I will say this, and I, and I, and you, you know, I, I'm, I'm not advocating that he suddenly they suddenly sign him up. Portis played in the last Scotland game and actually actually played really well. Now, whether this was him concentrating at 227% on, on the job at hand, and therefore you get a performance out of him, rather than, you know, one of the, 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 the sort of 
leads that were flapping about in his brain hitting the wrong terminal and just basically him taking somebody out. I, I'm, I'm not quite sure, but that was actually quite an assured and accomplished performance. And if he was guaranteed to do that week in, week out, he might well make he might well be a, a decent signing. The problem is that you just know that he will go back, you know, revert to type at some point in time and try to keep 11 men on the pitch. Imagine trying to Imagine going out for a game and keep 11 men in the pitch when you've got Morelos and Porteous in your team. And Kevin Clancy's the referee. Aye. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure, it's all right in the comments right now because the Hibs manager's got more grief than a comment saying that we should sign Ryan Porteous. Yeah, yeah, listen, I, 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 know, I know guys that have known the, the Hibs manager when he was down south as well and, and basically said, yeah, told you what to expect. You know, and the Hibs fans are, are thinking to themselves, where did we get this guy? Probably the same discount bargain place you got all your other managers. You know, I don't want to be too critical, but it's, um, you know, this is a game that, that Rangers can win, have to win, simply because I, I do think, you know, Hibs are really toiling as a, as a team just now. Some, sometimes yeah. you should listen to what the supporters of the ex-managers club says. You know, it was interesting when you hear the Feyenoord supporters talking about Geo. All these things all turned into fruition. I well, but, but then again, I, you know, I we have seen we've seen that be seen that before. You know, and I'll go back to to you know Walter Smith when he took over from Graham Souness and what was said there. He will he will forever be a number two. Yeah. You know, I think history. I think history proves that that was that was never going to be the case. You know, and and I think what you hear when I mean, Richard Goff said on the day and all the rest of it. Well, Walter looks as if he's been doing the job for two years anyway. When you start listening to things like that, you know, everybody will have an opinion. Some are right, some are wrong. Right, guys, we'll wrap it up there. We've uh, kind of overshot the mark a wee bit. So a big thanks to to, to Dougie and Stuart uh, for their contributions. They're great stuff as always. Uh, we were live tonight on the Sunday night, but the show will be available to download and stream from tomorrow on a variety of platforms, including Acast, iTunes, YouTube, Castbox, Stitcher, Spotify. Uh, I'm assuming Eck will have something out with Brian over the week uh, relating to the World Cup. Although there'll no doubt be a show about that. Uh, He's we'll doing have... a fashion show. He's doing a yeah. fashion show with the My Jers duffel coats. <laughs> He's blazer. Uh, yeah. I think there's a preview show coming out for the Hibs game, and obviously we'll be back next week to cover the the, the Hibs game. Uh, in the meantime, get yourself onto the Jersnet website and forums at www.jersnet.co.uk. Uh, I'm away to get fitted for my blazer and tie and <laughs> rogues. Uh, until the next time, bye for now. <laughs>